0: Hey guys, if you want updates on our latest episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the Film Colossus podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, if you'd like to support the show and hear episodes ad-free, then subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmcolossus.
1: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash in America. Mientras trabajas duro por el éxito de tus hijos, algo que no ves los puede estar afectando. Se llama estrés tóxico. Es la manera en que el cuerpo de los niños responde a experiencias difíciles. Aprende como ayudarlos en 1st 5 Start the clock You, the one with that smile. Yeah.
0: Come over here for ray Hey
1: girl, do you hear what I say? I don't have time to be waiting all
0: day just believe that it's not all My name's Chris Lambert and my name is Travis Bean.
1: This is Film Colossus. Your guide to movies. <laughs> Today we have 60 minutes to talk Ooh. about Megan.
0: Uh 60 that's the amount of time I wish Megan had spent dancing in this movie.
1: Actually we'll get <laughs> we'll get into the uh yeah, the I dancing. wish that the dancing just like the the meme like potential for this movie. I know. And like leaning into the meme Oh, Chris, I have so much to say you don't even know. Lean into the meme, Travis. Yeah, that's the hashtag right there. <laughs> uh which Okay, so We're, let's save the discussion. <laughs> yeah, what when did you first do you remember your first like awareness of this movie? Yeah. I mean, I remember when the
0: uh, my wife and I love watching trailers like whenever we get hop on like if there's ever like a period of time where like, eh, it's not enough time to watch a movie and there's no TV shows we want to watch. Like let's get on YouTube and watch trailers. Like you spend like a half hour watching trailers. So I definitely remember the trailer. I guess I don't know if there was like some gif of Megan dancing before that, but I remember seeing the trailer and seeing the dancing and having like, I was like on the edge of like, this could be like super goofy and fun. Or this is like, you know, some 50-year-old guy was like, you got to put a da- robot in our movie Dancing. The kids will love it. <laughs> so, like, I was like, it could be terrible. But I was holding out hope for it because of that.
1: I uh, I was the opposite route. I didn't know anything about the trailer. I just saw a bunch of people reacting to the GIF on Twitter. Somebody did, like, a, a super... It's a super cut, like, in quotes, because it's not long. It's just they took out the cross-cutting of david running down the hallway mm-hmm. so it's just like megan's dancing yeah. in one smooth gif and i was like what the hell is this and i think it was a very successful like social media marketing campaign because totally. every everybody was a little like that has so much potential to be amazing or so bad it's amazing or (laughs) like I have to see what this is I I just thought about all of the
0: old people who were just like on their heads and went oh my god like what is happening to movies like
1: robots (laughs) are doing
0: TikTok dances now
1: yeah that's what it felt like right I guess that was kind of some of the expectation that I had was that it might lean a little more heavily into some like influencer TikTok like social media kind of commentary and drama right which i don't think we got any <laughs> like, yeah that is weird like tiktok
0: wasn't really a part of the movie or, like other than the girl um i see I, I have to do now i have to like keep track of everybody's names which i'm usually terrible at like, i know katie yeah katie katie when she teaches the girl to dance like oh like this is like the tiktok moment like this is where the seed is planted but like it never came up again so yeah it was kind of weird that tiktok wasn't really a
1: part of anything yeah, and it's not, I mean, I guess we all kind of assumed, not we all, but, like, you and I assumed TikTok because, like, people at this point, maybe not people, but a lot of people at this point assume or correlate, like, TikTok dances, and mm-hmm. there seemed to be no other context to what <laughs> Megan was doing aside from, <laughs> like, oh, she's, like, a young doll Zoomer kind of thing. She would be into TikTok, right? Just kind yeah. of a, a base assumption, and... Missed opportunity. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. So I guess we're still on the like, we're still in this section of the show. Where we're kind of discussing expectations of the movie. So like, I think that was, you're generally describing the tone as like, yeah, old people are probably like annoyed by this or think it's dumb. Like it just represents the the fall <laughs> of culture uh, or like the the, the, vapid, vapidity, is vapidity a word? Vapidness? Can be sure, of uh, social media. But I think a lot of people were like, kind of saw the potential for something campy. And maybe it would be kind of a commentary on TikTok and social media. Um, but beyond that, we didn't really know. And I th- I guess what a lot of people maybe didn't expect is it's much
1: more of a commentary on AI. I guess people yeah.
0: probably did expect that but they probably expected more social media.
1: Yeah, I was thinking more social media, or even like... Um... What was the the AI Twitter bot a few years ago that they oh, released? God. And they're like, She'll learn as people communicate with her, <laughs> and she just became like racist and bigoted and saying not like sure. such awful things, they had to delete the whole thing. Um, it's not like Megan has some aspects of that, but I thought maybe they'd lean yeah. a little more into that. And I didn't watch any of the other trailers. I saw I don't know if I ever watched the trailer. I think I was kind of sold on the GIF and didn't want to know anything more. <laughs> That's a good way to be. Yeah. So the one time I was in theaters and they're like showing a trailer, I just kind of closed my eyes and put my hands over my ears, which has to look weird to other people. But <laughs> um, yeah, I saw some of the viral marketing they were doing, where they had the uh, the girls dressed up as Megan, just out That's and about right. in New York City doing that, the yeah. dances. That's, pretty funny. That's, a,
0: that's a smart move. That is the way this movie should be marketed.
1: Yeah, it's. I think they understood that it had that social impact and it's going to be something but, else where people see the dance, but they leaned into the dance again. Yeah, you're
0: right. They, th- For that reason, they shouldn't have done it. They shouldn't sell us a product that
1: I didn't get what I asked for, you know, what I was I, saying. I thought it was going to be... So that was. I was going into the movie thinking that it was going to be a little more campy not like child's play Mm -hmm. campy but maybe a little more bouncy yeah in terms of like the energy and um tone of it i did not expect what we ended up getting yeah and i think that was
0: my that was my hand up of the movie like immediately the first 50 minutes i thought were pretty rough Um, just setting up the whole story and Katie's parents dying. Like it was moving very fast and it felt a little choppy in a way that like, I don't think of campy movies being like, I think of campy movies really flourishing in moments and being melodramatic and flashy. But like there was something about the beginning of this that felt like a shitty TV show or something (laughs) like jump from this to that, to this. All right, we set that up. We're good. Okay. And it just like, and I think there are definitely parts of the movie that are a little more campy, just inherently. Like, it is a dancing robot girl. <laughs> and there is, like, some crazy robot that Gemma is building in the her basement that can, can just, like, is incredibly powerful. Like, there's all, like, weird stuff like that that is inherently campy. But the movie never really feels infused
1: with that kind of energy, which I think hurt it a lot. Yeah, the first... I thought the opening scene I had mixed energies with the Katie and her parents in the car where I liked the style of it in the presentation of it, but the dialogue <laughs> did it really ring all that <laughs> all that true to me? Yeah. like the mom's being a little mean, the dad's being a little like every parent pointed. in this movie is mean yeah there's, there's a every lot of, adult like, is an asshole. There's a lot of parental (laughs) hang-ups. And then even like Gemma is kind of like a... She's terrible. She's terrible, but also like infantilized. Like she hasn't really grown up. So there's a strange... I mean, it kind of makes the movie almost more interesting to me, but the adults are pretty terrible. And then the snowplow accident. I was like, "Okay, this is going to be like a little creative. I haven't seen like that shot of a snowplow coming through the snow hitting somebody head-on." All right, let's see how creative this gets. And yeah, that opening scene where they're building Megan in the basement just felt like something that I would see from like a CW show. <laughs> in terms of like the dialogue, how the yes, how the Elements wet. and that can be good for the the cult aspects, the uh, the like cheesy aspect, like giving it some of that life. Like they can't be uh, element, I, but
0: I eh. I agree. Like you can go the cheesy route. I have no problem with cheese. I love cheese. Um, but the, there's a difference between something I think that does it well and what we're seeing here. And to me, it's like kind of an editing thing, like dialogue. I feel like the great campy movies like have ridiculous dialogue and to the point dialogue, but it's infused with some sort of energy It flow. Like people's words flow in and out of each other. The way we cross cut between moments, the way scenes are montaged or edited together. Like there can just be a certain rhythm that really works. And that was, was, was really disappointing me immediately about this movie is like, I could tell it didn't really have that. So, the beginning moments of the movie just feel like exposition, like setting this up, setting that up, setting this up. Like you're just kind of collecting your bearings before we jump into the shit storm that is the movie, which like is fine. Like every movie has to go through those steps, I guess, when you're setting up a crazy universe like this. But it can just be done better and with more energy, more flow, and it it just didn't really have it
1: no it felt I think that was I think my big criticism of the movie is that it did feel almost safe in a lot of ways or like by the numbers in a lot of ways which we're gonna I mean maybe we can just transition to some of it now but like the the deaths were something to where like in a horror movie I feel like the monster kind of de- defines how creative maybe not even how creative but like the style with which like the deaths happen. Yeah. And so you see like the difference between like Freddy Krueger being somebody that invades dreams versus Michael Myers being somebody that's like small town home invader and how each of those movies leans into the style of its character to give you kind of unique uh, horror aspects um even seeing something more recent like hereditary in some ways gets into kind of the the supernatural the culty it's doing some unique things into how the the deaths happen in that movie and with Megan she's this advanced ai robot with all of these capabilities and capacities and the deaths felt very lacking In leaning into that creativity and style like anybody can use like a weed sprayer or like weed killer sprayer anybody can take like a blade and stab somebody that's the main the main deaths that we got in the the movie or she just chased a kid like kind of creepily chased a kid and he fell down a hill there's nothing that i felt like was stylistically creative in that way that leaned into megan and that's how i feel about what we're talking with the introduction and some of the exposition like the exposition can be really creative or stylized and this just felt like oh we're putting we're putting megan together and the boss comes he doesn't want it (sighs) oh it fails like the boss is unhappy that's the setback it's like where's the style
0: so in your mind the she should be using her ai intelligence to come up with like uh, uh, inhuman ways of killing people basically.
1: That could be part of it or just like more, we see her control electronics mm-hmm. during the movie. Okay, like sure, that would sh- be cool. She shuts down the entire alarm system for like a whole corporate headquarters. <laughs> she, <laughs> she she drives ja- carjacks a Tesla? Yeah, she carjacks a car by like tapping into the computer system I guess and like yeah. driving it via the computer which is cool but like could she kill somebody with a Roomba? <laughs> like, what's <laughs> what's that look like? Like, how does she get more creative leaning into that? I feel like that's where a movie like this could really flourish and yeah,
0: sp- like showcase uh, its abilities. I'm with you on that a little bit. Like, I agree on the flourish part. Like, if the movie really wanted to go for it and become something, like, really wacky, I do like that. Like, please let Aruba kill somebody in the next Megan movie. Like, I'm begging you. Um, God, that's making me think. Actually, I, I want to jump back to our conversation. But like, future iterations of this movie could just be like the next model, like Tiffany. You know, like whatever doll they, <laughs> they substituted next.
1: Yeah, that could be like pretty funny.
0: Megan, guys, Tiffany, guys, hit us up. Xander. We got the Roomba idea. We got the Tiffany idea. We c- we can take this to the next level. Um, um, I
1: tweeted, I tweeted at Jason Blum. I was just like, you know, have some ideas for the next movie. <laughs> um, but I will
0: say that I I enjoyed the kill scenes. I agree with you that they could have been a little more stylized. Like they could have done a little more with it. But I thought all the kill scenes were like I, I love horror movies. Like I really really love yeah. horror movies. You, you, as Chris knows, I watched Terrifier two recently, and it became one of my absolute favorite movies ever. And the death scenes in that movie are absolutely bonkers. Like I really love that kind of stuff. And I thought this movie actually did a pretty good job. Like some interesting, unique stuff, like ripping off a child's ear. Like that's a pretty bold move. Uh, <laughs> the whole like woman in the shed with uh wh- what is she spraying on her? Like weed spray or something. Yeah. Like weed killer. Yeah, you said it, but I, I couldn't remember. Um, like, I liked all that stuff. I agree it's not necessarily, like, AI-powered. <laughs> but, like, I enjoyed it. Um, I-, I think more for me what the issue was is that the... And it sounds like I'm complaining a lot about this movie, but, like, I mostly think this movie, like, was there and was good, but, like, kind of misses the mark. Like, it's just missing some elements that would have made it much better. And I think the biggest thing it's missing is that like you're talking about the death scenes of Megan not being AI powered, not really um, being part of her uniqueness enough to gain uh, gravitas and like have have that kind of power. Like you should you should feel something when she's killing people. I think more for me, what it was is that the characters just aren't set up well enough. Like we don't spend enough time with them. For these murders to then become something substantial and meaningful. Like, like in my mind, this is why I love horror movies, because they're the best, the absolute best at defamiliarizing. You're gonna hear us say that yeah. word a lot. Um, and that defamiliarizing is taking something familiar and making it unfamiliar. So it, horror movies do it all the time, like something like the Babadook. Duke, it's it's about grief. Um, and a unique way to explore grief is to create this monster that becomes a menace and is like lurking in the shadows. And you feel like you could die at any moment. Like horror movies have that capability to take these inherent fears that we have and blow them up to life threatening proportions. And I thought that this movie had such a great opportunity for that to kind of explore what are the consequences of introducing AI what are the consequences of letting a robot raise your kid instead of you doing the work yourself? Like, those are all questions the world is grappling with right now. I know they are because I have a newborn and Lauren and I have discussions of all the time of like, you know, like, do we let her watch Coco Melon? Like, do we let her technology be part of her life? Like anytime soon, it's, it's a heavy consideration. And there are a lot of consequences to what you could do. And for a horror movie to have the opportunity to like kill people as a result of your decisions, like it's such a great idea, but I just don't think like, like we're talking about with kind of like the choppy editing, the the weird jumps between dialogue. Like it just, the movie never feels like it's spending enough quiet moments with people and getting to know them to let that steep and then to give power to the kills, Megan is committing you know like it's more it, it, it just doesn't it doesn't have that it's a little too um it's a little too easily. it's it's too comfortable just letting everyone be a caricature <laughs> and just letting like broad moments of dialect set up this instead of that for there to be like real characters we care about and for us to be caring about any of the deaths that happen
1: That is, as you're describing that, it is kind of, it feels like there's a dichotomy or at least like two different movies. It's like you have these side characters that are kind of in the horror movie while Katie and Gemma, Gemma, Gemma? Yeah, what is it? I thought about that as I said it and I wasn't sure. I think it's Gemma. Uh, Gemma. Yeah, Gemma are in more of like a family drama, which can work. There's nothing like inherently wrong with that and the horror element and the family drama does eventually dovetail it's just you think about oh bless you child it's cedar season in Austin and it is bad <laughs> cedars everywhere um, yeah uh, you think about the people that end up facing the consequences of AI right if we take a step back and look at Megan as kind of a uh, a metaphor maybe we shouldn't but you know, maybe they didn't intend for Megan to be commentary, but that doesn't seem right, right. Well then
0: it won't be a very good movie then. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. We'd all love to hit skip on our
1: problems now and again. But using weed to deal with stress as a teen won't make your issues go away. That's because THC messes with parts of the brain responsible for fear and anxiety, making it even harder to manage them on your own. So even the smaller things can start to feel difficult to handle. Learn better ways to deal with stress at mindovermarijuana.com. That's mindovermarijuana.com. Sponsored by the California Department of Public Health. Uh, so if Megan is this commentary on technology and the role technology has in our lives, you look at the people that face the most severe consequences. It's Lydia, the neighbor, mm-hmm. who we don't know anything about her relationship yeah. with technology. It's just she's kind of like a bad neighbor and doesn't do a good job of like being a dog owner. Mm-hmm. And then it's Brandon. Brandon. <laughs> and like we don't know Brandon's relationship with technology I mean he takes Megan and runs off with her but like there's not much you can really derive from the encounter between Megan and Brandon uh, in terms of like theme right at least that jumps out to me maybe somebody could make a more specific case about yeah not with with technology yeah but then you look at David and David's also not a character that we invest a lot of Hyman aside from just being like the hard driving boss that Gemma has to win win over and that when he's all in he's all in he's not even really all that villainous when it comes to like <laughs> just wanting kind to of a push dick. he's a dick right but he's not like he doesn't know that Megan could hurt people and he's like let's push it anyway yeah yeah or does he know I don't they're think not so. telling him yeah they don't yeah. tell him which is a, is an odd move so it's like even him facing consequences in the form of Megan like what what is the the narrative there between them so it's yeah. like on the subtextual layer or level between all like Megan's interaction with these characters that she kills there's nothing really said about technology the situation at large we see more of the impact that Katie has With Megan and the way in which her character kind of devolves and becomes more like the attachment that goes Mm -hmm. on the the anger she becomes a little bit of a like a little child drug addict yeah (laughs) Uh, she's showing some real addict tendencies Uh, especially I feel like they even start making like the bags under her eyes darker (laughs) like yeah and um, she keeps like
0: rubbing her finger under her nose and stuff
1: yeah, just sniffing. So much sniffing. <laughs> but you have some interesting implications with that. And with Allison or Gemma <laughs> realizing that she needs to be present. And for her having been so tech-driven to realize the human element, I thought there was some really powerful stuff in their interactions. Yeah. And the way it's in there. which... Yeah, Gemma kind of has her about face... And wants to make Katie feel like you are important to me. Like, I am looking at you. Like, I actually started to tear up when she heard Katie talking about Megan making her feel like she's the only person in the world or the most important person in the world. And you see the next time Gemma interacts with her, how much eye contact she's making and how Mm. focused she is. Yeah, I thought that was really beautiful. But it just it feels like you have a lot of these ideas that aren't necessarily coming together with what Megan does and in the interactions she's having with people until I guess like technology trying to rear its head back into the relationship with Gemma and Katie at the end, mm-hmm. but they still use technology to save the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of I'm a little in between uh,
0: where wh- the path you're going down and like i'm thinking the movie is successful like i agree that the movie probably could be better and more interesting if we knew if ai if technology tied at all with this little kid or tied at all in with this neighbor like that there are there is potential there to like give the movie more body but i i I don't necessarily think it needs to do that. Like, again, Terrifier 2, I feel like this is just going to become an episode in Terrifier 2. Um, <laughs> uh, the thing I love about Terrifier 2 is we're watching the central characters of the movie really struggle with grief and the trauma of losing their dad. Um, but I think the, the deeper thing in that movie is the struggle to understand what happened to their dad and they can't anymore because he's gone. So the movie is just kind of an exploration of of that and a lot of the kills kind of stem from that. Um like Gemma Gemma, I called it Gemma. What's I forget the the main character in Terrifier 2's name, but um her friends all die, but her friends don't have anything to do with the main character's dad. Like they have no connection to it. Their connection instead is to the main character and what she's struggling with. So the the clown that's art the clown that's killing all of her friends it becomes this um, this manifestation of like how trauma affects other people in your life. Like it, it branches out to them. So it's not necessarily that they need a direct relationship with Art the Clown. Uh, they are just consequential deaths. And that's a lot of what horror movies do. And so I consider a lot of the deaths in this movie to just be consequential. Uh, to be the result of this deeper metaphor, defamiliarization that's going on. Um, But I'm with you that, like, you still can do more. (laughs) Like, there's way more art and um, heart and and meaning to Terrifier too, because, like, her friends are so intricately part of her life. Um, Where in this movie, they're just, like, assholes who get in the way.
1: Yeah, it's just... It's, like, the worst people that they encounter get (laughs) in the way... Like, have the deaths. And then... Megan I guess is discerning when it comes like the other lab techs yeah Tess and Cole she's lets them kind of live man it is a weird trend
0: in movies recently I've noticed like I mean horror movies have always killed all kinds of people but like lately I've seen a lot of kid deaths in movies (laughs) like hereditary Terrifier 2. I guess no kids, uh, kids no kids do die in Terrifier 2. They're like high school students. And in this movie like they kill like a little kid, you know? That's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, I guess it's one of those like taboo line crosses. It's like a little more shocking because these days it's such like a there's such like an online trend to protect, I don't know.
0: Yeah, but but it totally works for this movie because you know, AI, this particular situation does apply to, like, a parent-child relationship, and to see it, like, affecting other kids, like, again, a lot of potential there the movie could have explored.
1: Yeah, and I was thinking about this movie, I don't think we're gonna agree on this aspect of it, but as I was watching the movie, we were talking about the expected tone, and how I expected it to be a little, like, not Barbie movie, but... Mm -hmm. A little more upbeats, a little less not even like less serious, like goofier. I just imagine that it wouldn't be as like grounded and mm-hmm. heavy in dealing with very like, heavy Katie's grief and Gemma's like struggled appearance. It reminded me tone wise of The Invisible Man mm. from 2020, yeah. which I don't think you liked as much as I did. I liked The Invisible Man. Okay, you did. Okay. Yeah. So I thought this movie was like... I feel like there's... You could put those movies on side by side and see similarities in tone throughout, like how seriously they're trying to explore some of the human element of an invisible man uh, dealing with an abusive partner and the aftermath of getting out of that relationship and the way that it haunts you Mm -hmm. versus uh, Katie's grief and Gemma having to suddenly be a parent when it wasn't part of her life and how do you navigate this new thing? I liked that it surprised me that it took that tone. Mm-hmm. It's just when I compare the movies and how much the invisible Man really leaned into its premise uh, and used that unique capacity right. of the invisible man to really play up the horror elements whether it's when he's in the house with her in the early parts of the movie or when there's the huge like breakout from the psych ward and how kind of terrifying it is. All of that felt so like natural and cool and leveled up to me where with this, it felt like it had a similar machinations but more rudimentary. But yeah, I, I did appreciate the the groundedness of it in some ways. It just felt like a clash with the expectations and where the movie could go. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you on The
0: Invisible Man. Like, to me, that's where Megan goes wrong is that, you know, The Invisible Man is really infused with the main character's struggle and the fears she has and the villain of the movie completely exemplifies those fears and constantly forces her to reckon with those emotions. Like, that's doing it right. Megan it's again I don't think it's necessarily a problem it's just I think it's a little tougher to make the movie hit emotionally and keep you invested if it's not doing those sort of things which for a movie that isn't really doing that with the script I think the script is kind of the weak part of the movie everything else about the movie is like it is the the CGI the makeup whatever Megan is it it's really impressive. It looks really good. Like you're kind of, you believe it almost like you're there Mm. with it. And then you have all of these small moments, which towards the end, I I think the last third of this movie really saved the movie. A lot of the scenes you're discussing and, and Gemma really (sighs) reckoning with her relationship with Katie and how important she is. Like there are all these moments and, and the tone is really settling in at the end. Like, I think there's enough there that allows the movie to to hit and ultimately leave you feeling something as you walk away. Um, but I I'm with you that it just needed to be infused with it more for a longer period of time. Like you're right, the Invisible Man feels like that the entire movie. Um, there are other reasons maybe that movie doesn't work quite as well, but like that isn't really it. Like it has that going for it. It has that foundation where Megan was kind of missing the foundation and felt like it was playing catch up a little bit and throwing in all these elements that didn't seem to be there, but then suddenly it's very emotional and it's carrying this weight. And yeah, I mean, again, all I had going for it was just like impressive technical
1: work, you know? Do you know what I wish Megan would have, been like, or I think had the potential to be like, was that same energy of uh, Cabin in the Woods? Were you a Cabin in the Woods fan? Ugh, no, no, ah, oh, I love Cabin in the Woods. Mm. Everything Joss Whedon touches is pretty awful. That was a Joss Whedon movie, yes. Well, he he wrote it, did he? Yeah, oh no. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Written by Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard. I like Drew Goddard a lot. So I always think of it as like a. What did he do? Movie Um,
0: Cloverfield. I got to watch Cloverfield again. I I won't hate
1: on that movie. He wrote Cloverfield. He did, I think, the final touches on World War Z. Um, And then he also wrote The Martian. Um, (laughs) What a weird career. I know, right? Cloverfield writer, Cabin in the Woods writer, director, World War Z writer, Martian writer, and then what? Bad Times at El Royale. Oh, well, that's a great movie. Yeah, that's one that you like more than me, but yeah, yeah, I like Cabin in the Woods. I thought handled it wasn't too silly. It wasn't like Scooby Doo energy. <laughs> yeah, but was still like kind of cheeky fun like I thought Megan might be like that but it did seem as you're saying that last third to kind of find a little more of that style and that mm. energy with Megan dancing right I think is the the embodiment <laughs> of that <laughs> she's finally like letting loose in her vibe like she can no longer be shut down by Gemma there is like a degree of triumph. There of like Megan discovering her voice and standing up for herself, but being toxic as hell.
0: Yeah, and also, like it becomes this representation of she's doing this dance that Katie taught her. Like she's fully becoming control of herself and is just hell bent on protecting Katie and will kill anybody standing in her way. Like it, it, it inherently has that. But as we've discussed, I don't think the movie does enough character work like does enough foundational work for it to really hit and be moving in the moment
1: well so what was your favorite part of the movie
0: i just i think the whole the i think the last scene is great because as we've discussed Gemma, she's pretty terrible throughout the movie she's just like constantly ignoring the fact that she has to now raise a kid that has gone through the most traumatic experience a child could possibly go through. And she's too busy worrying about coasters and uh, looking at her phone and, you know, just like work stuff. It's, it's incredible, incredibly negligent. But then to suddenly (laughs) like start to realize like what she's created and what it's doing to Katie and then to take on that motherly role, like all of that really hits at the end in a way that it left me, it left me in a good state because like throughout the movie again, like I was kind of like, I don't know if this is really working. And then at the end I'm like, all right, like here's something like this is hitting, like the movie's done enough to make this hit. Then like, okay, I kind of understand it a little bit better. I, I appreciate the, the aesthetic of the movie a little more. Um, and it, I knew we'd get into this, but I, I, I love the whole last part where Katie controls the robot and kills Megan. Like all that stuff. I, I love, I love, when movies really just kind of go for it not really concerned of the logic so much but just kind of finding a way to visualize somebody's relationship and something somebody's going through and I think just everything that's happening in those last moments of the movie perf- does it perfectly uh,
1: Travis we I wrote something that was talking about (laughs) essentially the last 10 minutes of Megan ruining the movie for me or like leaving me angry. And it's funny that that's then your favorite part of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Travis and I have been going back and forth. He's been trying to educate me and I've been trying to wrap my head around the idea of post cinema. (laughs) Wrap your head around. Uh, It's very simple. (laughs) It's some of the elimination of exposition. Uh, like unneeded exposition or finding like the exposition is it as important as the, the visuals that are on the screen or the expression through the the visuals is that is that right well I mean uh, uh, you could do a.
0: it's tough for me to talk about post cinema in quotes because a it's not necessarily completely defined it's a very new term that's kind of being explored by film scholars and critics and stuff. Um, And a lot of it actually involves like technically a movie can't be post cinema until like after two thousands that the introduction of like digital Uh, attack of the clones is famous for kind of introducing a lot of what makes up post cinema. Uh, So a lot of people say like, you can't even consider a movie post cinema until after attack of the clones. Um, But essentially when when you think about the, the the, there's storyline elements, combined as well. And yeah, that that is the gist of it, that um, there's, it's not necessarily less reliance on script, but less reliance on words. (laughs) Like words aren't a movie. You shouldn't listen to a movie. You should see a movie. Uh, You should experience a movie. So it isn't necessarily that like exposition doesn't matter, but there are more interesting visual ways to convey exposition and that you don't always need to understand the real world logic of something because movies aren't real. They have crafted their own aesthetic, their own universe. That It is a, is an art piece. So we take the robot here at the end. How does this little girl know how to power the robot? It's ridiculous. If you think about it in just like reality, logical terms. But if you put that aside because it's not a real movie, then you're able to think about it artistically and what it represents that she can control this robot and how it kind of solidifies her and Jim's relationship and how they're kind of meeting halfway through this technological space. When technology had been to think tearing apart, the whole movie, um, the idea is to stop thinking about exposition logic, like how does this make any sense? And just to kind of accept what the movie's giving you visually.
1: Which some of the, my complaints being a lot more classical, <laughs> In that way, or maybe it's just because, like, I'm more focused, like, I come from a novelist poetry background. Totally. It's very much like.
0: I just think it's another way to watch movies. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, it's classically the way we've looked at movies for a long time.
1: Yeah. So, my issue they set up Katie seeing Bruce for the first time, right? And when Gemma uses Bruce, she puts on these gloves (laughs) and can manipulate Bruce's arms yeah or make Bruce move control him totally but Katie's facing Bruce and Gemma's behind her (laughs) so you never as far as I remember Katie never sees how Gemma operates Bruce Uh and you can assume that maybe they use Bruce at other points in the movie like maybe she got a crash course in using Bruce but I would imagine with how quickly Megan's introduced and how much Katie like and Megan have this uh, attachment that, yeah. that that wasn't the case so the fact that katie suddenly shows up piloting bruce and defeats the most advanced ai <laughs> yeah in the world in <clears throat> hand-to-hand combat i'm just like this is ridiculous and i feel torn on that because on the one hand as you're saying it's a movie it creates its own logic and world it is saying something with this and i appreciate the broader uh, like thematic implications right, of that moment and what you're saying that it's this thing that Gemma built that one thing Gemma built was tearing them apart and this other thing brings them closer together and it symbolizes this connection that they shared and a moment that they had prior to Megan being mm-hmm. in the picture uh, but the movie's so realistic in a lot of its other ways like the world it presents is very grounded aside from Megan's like AI or aside from the technology aspects that Katie suddenly like utilizing this robot just clashes with the tone of it. Where if it was something like cabin in the woods or like Scooby-Doo or something that's a little more like, we just needed a talking dog. Yeah. Something a little goofier where I'm not supposed to take, each scene as seriously uh, hmm. I would be like okay that's that's fine like this is within the realm of just like the movie being like a little more unreal like this is the end if it was something that happened in this is the end I'd be like yeah of course Jonah Hill found like robot gloves and controls this giant thing and fights like, the devil like a giant devil monster I, yeah we
0: we really diverged there because like I guess I, I don't I don't really watch any movie or go into any movie expecting reality. Like I don't, I never ground myself in that way. I'm expecting an art piece. Like even when I go to museum and I see a painting of a person and it is just a straight painting, like it still has an aesthetic. It still carries the painter's vision of that person. Like, I don't think I'm looking at a photograph. I think I'm looking at somebody's rendering of a person. So like that's how I view every movie. There's definitely never a moment in mega where I'm like, "Oh, this is real life." Like like I expect everything to be real and logical in this movie like it is in my everyday life. I don't I I guess I don't look at any movie that way, even the most like straightforward movies that are trying to present reality. I think I'm watching a story. I'm I'm experiencing
1: a piece of art. So I I definitely just I never have that problem. Yeah, it's one where like I don't go in expecting like, the reality of right, it. Right. But I think once it's established a tone of, like, this is taking place in the grounded world and we have this one heightened thing that you have to suspend disbelief mm-hmm. about, but the rest of it falls... It's not like Katie's suddenly, like, flying around and <sighs> has super strength. Uh-huh. That would be strange. <laughs> like, But if at the very beginning of the movie... You introduce, like, somebody has super strength and, like, this is what's possible in this world. I'm like, okay, sure. So in Megan, because everything else had been so grounded and logically consequential or, like, presented realistically, I expect that same logic to follow with everything else. Mm -hmm. So when it's suddenly, like, Katie's controlling the robot, I'm just like, that doesn't make sense with, like... the reality that's been established, but that's me being like very pedantic and it's, literal rather than, <laughs> I mean, you can refer to it as pedantic, but like, I
0: feel like a lot of people feel that way. Like as you're going through the logic of kind of just the, the makeup of the way you're looking at a movie and what directions you expect it to go based on what it's doing. Like that seems to ring true a lot of complaints. I hear about a lot of movies that I, I love. Uh, so, which seems to happen constantly. Uh, so that that makes sense to me. I, I, the I guess the my big question though is and I feel like this just gets to how you and I watch movies very differently is and I'm not saying you don't do this, but when I watch a movie, I'm really just looking for a pure emotional connection. Like I'm thinking about the characters. I'm thinking about how to how the style, allows those characters to become more full-bodied and to become a reflection of things I go through in life. And I expect the themes to kind of build from that, become stronger from that. And logic, like, I guess what I'm getting at is those are the stuff I'm really invested in, which is why logic doesn't really come in. In your mind, at the end of the movie, even if you could make all the connections we've made between Gemma and Katie and Katie using this robot. It loses its emotional appeal to you. Like you are less invested emotionally and connect less with the characters if the logic of the movie doesn't make sense. Like if you don't see a scene where Katie learns to control this robot, the entire dynamic between Jim and Katie is shattered at the end.
1: It's not all. It's it's not that all or nothing with it to where okay. like oh that ruins it completely. Right. But it's more that that moment instead of feeling powerful to me Mm. feels a bit more forced or I, it's almost like I can see the strings a little bit more. Sure. (laughs) Okay, I get that. Which makes it feel like it takes me out of the moment. It feels like contrived a little bit. Yeah. So instead of me, so I still recognize the power of it. It still has an impact and I like the idea. But it's something where I get more frustrated than by yeah. how they went about it. That's so funny.
0: Like, it, it makes me seem like, uh, what's the right word? Like, I just want to sit there and like look at pretty images and be like, Ugh. like <laughs> I, I kind of, but I kind of am that way. Like the logic, like I don't know. I don't even think about that stuff. That's so funny. I, I just want like the pretty images like i want the i like melodrama like stuff that's over the top like i just want all the art i can possibly get thrown at me and logic just gets in the way
1: <laughs> well and i think to be fair uh if the robot had never been introduced i feel like you would have an in- like a problem with that if all of a sudden (laughs) like Katie appears with these gloves and is like you forgot about Bruce and we're just like what the hell like where did did Bruce come from you'd probably at that point be like okay something well yeah of course because because the thing I you're right about that like
0: okay you're absolutely right about that that's that's a great point but I think the main thing that would have been missing is the fact that there is an emotional connection that comes from the robot if they had just shown Allison using the robot or just shown Katie using the robot, that then later Katie uses the robot, there's no emotion, there's no emotion there, you know? No. So, like, and yeah. then it would just be annoying to me.
1: Yeah, so the fact that they, like, set up that emotional connection early on, I think trumps then the logic of, like, how did Katie use it later? It's like, okay, I understand what this represents, yeah. and it has this power to it. So it's like, you're still down with the logic, just in a very different way. <laughs> Just I, in a very different way. Logic doesn't cross my mind. <laughs> I accept. <laughs> I could tell you, like, I when people are like, Chris, what's Travis like? I'm like, logic does not cross his mind. Just say that. That's completely true. <laughs> He's an illogical human being. It's just an amalgam of illogic. <laughs> uh okay. So I what then where did you end up? Do we talk about where we ranked it? Do we talk about, oh, yeah. what we talk about now? Let's talk about, um,
0: let's go ahead and do, we'll do 2023 rankings and we'll do all time rankings, uh, for, for okay. people who maybe this is your first episode, which it probably is. because It's the first movie we're talking about um, <laughs> <laughs> that we have on our website, film Colossus. We have all time rankings. We're keeping track of every movie we've watched since we started those lists, which was like sometime in 2022. Um, and we have yearly lists. So how about, let's start with 2023. Where does it rank?
1: <laughs> so currently in 2023, <laughs> I have it at number one. So do Might I. be surprising after all, <laughs> after everything that's been said, but we are recording this on January 11th, 2023. Uh, so. Wait, how many I movies see- have you seen though? Just this one.
0: Oh, okay. So I've seen two, so. Me having it at number one has a little bit more of a... There was a little suspense there. Like, was this or the pale blue, blue eye better? Yeah. So you have this over the pale blue
1: eye. Uh Yeah, mostly because that movie sucked. I, I'm like <laughs> 30 minutes into it, and I feel like I would also have Megan over the pale blue eye. Yeah. I kind of think you might like it, though. I mean i'm 30 minutes into the pale blue eye and i haven't been liking it
0: (laughs) okay maybe not i feel like there's stuff it does that you'll like but i could see there being reasons you wouldn't like it so
1: we'll we'll talk about it i just got to they just got like the book of the occult oh ah the occult it's just insane to me that edgar allen poe's like a character like he becomes more
0: of a character in the movie.
1: I mean, he's already very much in like every scene. Oh, okay. I, so you're I'm just, just you're just laughing at him just being there. Period. Yeah, that they're like, you know what this movie needs <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe as a well, character.
0: They did some research on Gen Z ears, and they found that Edgar Allan Poe's really hot right now. Is he? <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe it's just like, yeah, it's a. Uh, One of the funniest things I ever experienced in high school, which is probably, like, a weird thing. There was a kid in one of my classes who, I don't know, I think maybe I was in an English class that was, like, a year up or he was, like, a year behind. Or maybe they just, like, showed his video to our class because it was that funny. But we had to make videos based on some, like, the history of some artist And I think a friend and I did dressed up as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to tell the story of like T.S. Eliot or something. Mm -hmm. And what this kid did, uh, was it Ryan Bowling? He made a movie about Edgar Allan Poe and had everybody had little like stick figures that he was using that he had drawn. So it's like cartoonish looking people on a stick figure in a diorama and he's moving them along and it's Edgar Allan Poe, and he's looking at his like mother, a stick figure who's like dying in bed, and he's like, Then the tuberculosis monster came, and it's just a <laughs> sock puppet with blood coming out of its mouth that eats Edgar Allan Poe's mom and rips her from the diorama, and then you see like a tear running down wow. Edgar Allan Poe's face. This, and uh, the memory of this movie has
0: stuck with you, by the way. You're describing this it's, perfectly.
1: We were all so blown away by what we were witnessing because we're seeing a bunch of other high school kids making these, like, awful movies. And he has this, like, kind of, like, well-produced movie. He actually ended up going to film school and making a short sure. film that was, like, a bunker movie that I remember, like, kind of enjoying. Um, but it kept going back to tuberculosis monster so it's just like Edgar Allan Poe then moved in with his aunt and uncle. And then the tuberculosis monster came and like, eats them. And it's like, then he married his cousin. And then the tuberculosis monster came. Are you trying to make us go over on time? Is this your tactic? Kind of. <laughs>
0: you <laughs> but, want to be yeah. punished.
1: Every time Every time I see Edgar Allan Poe now, I just think of the tuberculosis monster sock puppets. Well, <laughs> and...
0: Now I'm going to think of Dudley Dursley. or What's his name? Not D- Dudley.
1: Is it Dudley? I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Oh, he's uh, Dudley in
1: Harry Potter. (laughs) Who's Dudley in Harry Potter?
0: (laughs) He's Dudley in Harry Potter. Who's Dudley in Harry Potter? That's that's (laughs) good. Okay. uh, Isn't that guy? (laughs) Dudley
1: Dursley? Am I crazy? Yeah, Dudley Dursley. So I've only seen the Harry Potter movies one time I watched them every year. Yeah, you watch them every year. I never read the books. Alright, so yeah, so that would probably bizarre for me to be saying, He's Dudley Dursley. <laughs> I mean, there's probably a good amount of people that are like, Yes, Travis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, okay. But yeah, anyway, Megan.
0: Um Okay. What were we saying? <laughs> all time rankings. Oh, all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you want to go first? Yeah, where do I where do I have all time rankings?
1: I have currently 73 all-time rankings, and I ended up putting Megan in the negatives category. Okay. So that's just below neutral. So neutral would be the equivalent of like two and a half stars. Sure. So Megan's at that like two-star range. It's at number 61 currently, just below Smile but above do revenge and minions rise of gru which are both in the flawed category. Um I have four times as many movies as Chris at
0: 290 and <laughs> getting I'm getting close <laughs> to 300. Um and these are movies I've watched between 2022 and now 2023. Yeah, we started this in July. Yeah, but I I I did the whole year though. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. Okay.
0: I felt, I, I just wanted to do that, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put in the extra work to go do that. Um, but I currently, so of the about 300 movies, I have it at 218. Um, okay, that's lower than I thought you would have it. Yeah. Like I said, it doesn't fall into the good category, where it's just, which is where most of the movies on this list for me rank. Like, I don't think it's quite achieving what it could. Which is probably ridiculous thing for a lot of people to hear. Like, I saw some comment online. Like, it's not supposed to like be deep. It's just the f- comedy. Like, I'm just always so annoyed. <laughs> like, it's that is just a complete disservice to art. Like, all movies are trying to be something. Like, people just don't like zombie through a movie and like don't expect to say anything of consequence. Um, it's not even a comedy. Like,
1: <laughs> the the funny aspects are really only like Megan's hallway dance and like some like darker humor, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but so for that reason, I just like I
0: wanted more from it. I, I was more disappointed. Like, I don't think it's necessarily bad, but I was very disappointed with it. Like my mother often tells me. So uh, I have it in the Mrs. DeMar category right beneath Pacific Heights and right above 12 Pups of Christmas.
1: <laughs> what company? I I do think the reaction, the critical reaction has been stranger than what as kind of like a final. Oh yeah, I I agree. I did not expect critics to like it as much as they did. It it was touted on Rotten Tomatoes as having like a 95%. Yeah, it's at 94 right now. And I get that the tomato meter, it's not, it's something to where essentially if somebody rates it like a three or better, that it's considered like fresh. So just because it's at 94 doesn't mean that everybody thought it was like a 5 out of 5 movie it's just a lot of critics or a majority of critics thought it was like but average to good
0: a 72 on Metacritic, Metacritic
1: is pretty high that is insanely high and that I don't understand like what's invisible well, man on Metacritic
0: I, it it makes sense to me because critics are largely garbage so like I guess <laughs> they see Megan and think like oh it's so much better than everything else that comes out in January
1: Uh yeah is it just like a general? like part of me has a little bit of that and i don't want to take away from the filmmaker or like the people that put the movie together like oh how dare they receive praise (laughs) it's it's like i do think there's so much potential for this especially like i'm looking forward to the sequel because i think that they can really go somewhere with this and make it what you and i hope it could be yeah and I'm excited to see what happens next. So it's not like what was the <laughs> Don't Be Afraid of the Dark that came out with like the teeth tooth fairy stuff back in 2011 that I like hated to my core. Yeah. It's it's not something like that, but the fact that it's been as praised as it has when it seems like it's a little basic or playing it safe and not taking the risks that you'd see some other horror movies especially like we saw uh x and you didn't like hereditary or not hereditary barbarian but i love barbarian Mm -hmm. like we've seen i think a number of kind of evocative and dynamic horror movies in the last year yeah and megan just kind of like pales in comparison to me and the fact that so many people have praised it a little.
0: I think it literally is the whole circumstance saying, like, it's January, this is when all the terrible movies come out, like, oh my god, here's a competent one, you know? I feel like that's yeah. all it is. Yeah, like, it's fun enough, like, sure, go see. Uh, yeah. The audience reaction, though, is a, a much more measured, 6.7 on IMDb, 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, like, that is
1: what I'd kind of expect this movie to be in. Yeah, I definitely get why there'd be people that like are loving it or like there'd be fans that really like attached to it but just the critics have surprised me Although, invisible man was also a 72
0: oh i i do wonder though does Gen Z connect with this movie at all because there wasn't enough tiktok dancing <laughs> i do <laughs> that is that is a good question like how how much do they connect uh, with it connect to it connect with us Hit us up on Twitter at Film Colossus. What's your Twitter account?
1: Uh, what is my dec- mine's what is pl my underscore bean? Yeah, Chris JH Lambert.
0: Yeah, hit us up. Let us know. Chris is writing a movie guide article on it as we speak. Get in there, ask some questions, give us some insight. Yeah, if you have if you
1: have questions, if you have thoughts, they can be included. All right, we can stop the clock, right? Yeah, right. we're at uh, under time. F- yeah. Look at us, <laughs> professionals.
0: <laughs> I, at the beginning, I was kind of like, ah, 60 minutes is too much. Like, do people want to listen to us for that long? Uh, but we really do need that amount of time. Like, we'll just keep talking. And if we keep going over time as much as we've been going, oh, something bad's going to happen. I know. I know. We we'll we haven't decided, though, What it, if, for anyone unfamiliar, if we go over time too much, we add up that amount of time. And once we've reached what 30 minutes 60 minutes
1: Mm -hmm. uh something bad's gonna happen to us yeah i we have an idea but we're still we're still figuring it out (laughs) maybe we should uh ask the listeners yeah what do you make it movie related please yeah or we'll just go with our we'll see say things
0: (laughs) uh okay and we're here at the end of the show Uh, What do we want to tell people to do, Chris? Oh,
1: go to filmcolossus.com. See our movie guides. Join our movie club. Join our movie club. That is also a big thing. You get recommendations. You get the latest updates on the movie guides we've been posting, the articles we've been writing, and every podcast episode release. You can also subscribe to the podcast.
0: Absolutely. And please check out our movie guides on the site. We really hope people become interactive with them and ask questions. Basically, anything you can comment below any of the movie guides where we'll talk about themes. We talk about motifs. We talk about, you know, explaining the ending. And if there's anything you want explained, if you have questions, we will respond. Like, this is all we do.
1: Yeah. So ask away. Engage.
0: Yeah. Um, And if you have your own theories, you know, you, you can post those in the comments and we may include them in what we write. That's right. Wow. What a world. Look at that. Interactive film criticism. Also, if you'd like to support the show and hear these episodes ad free, you can join our Patreon page at patreon.com filmcolossus. film Colossus. Right now, the only perk is you can hear the episodes ad free, but soon we're going to be adding more and more perks uh, as the show grows and as we get feedback from you guys on what you'd like to see. Uh and then here at the end, what uh what do we wanna do? What do we wanna say? <sighs> Have a great day. Have a great day. D- D- What's something like Hope you enjoyed the show? That's like movie related.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Uh exit exit through the gift shop. I don't know. Mm. Alright, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Got a big question
0: to ask.